And let's look, Lord, in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the privilege we have of coming together and to spending time around your word. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for uh, the fact that, Lord, you've given to us your word and that, Lord, your word uh, is precious. And we thank you, Father, for the testimony of your word to us. And we pray today that you minister to us through your word. Challenge us, Father God, by its truth. Give me wisdom as I preach that, Lord God, have I used of you to your glory today. Just help us, Father God, to learn what you would have us to learn from this passage this day, that you might receive all the praise and all the glory for this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul has set out the reasons for Israel's rejection in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, the remedy for Israel's rejection in verses 14 to 17, and the argument now in these verses 18 to 21 turns from how you can be saved to the results of Israel's rejection. You know, like many people today, the Jews had rejected God's plan of salvation. God's plan of how he was going to save the nation and how he was going to save the world. They rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah, basically because they rejected God's word. And the same is true for mankind. Mankind has rejected Jesus Christ, basically because they rejected the testimony of God's word, and therefore they, in the most part, are not saved today. The final verses of Romans chapter 10 deal with more excuses that the lost in general and the Jews especially gave for not understanding God's message. And to do this, two questions follow, each of which is supported by quotes from the the Old Testament. The first question is found there in verse 18 where he asks the question, But I say, have they not heard? But I say, have they not heard? You know, it's been shown here in Romans chapter 10, in fact, throughout the book of Romans so far, it's been shown that the gospel, the message of the gospel is a universal message. It's been universally given to all men. Verse 13 of this chapter, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is a whosoever salvation. It's for all who believe. There is no one excluded from the gospel message. And so Paul now asks the question, But I say, have they not heard? Could it be that those who have not obeyed the testimony of the gospel, those who have not trusted Christ their Savior, could it be that they did not hear? And Romans 10.18 gives the answer. And the answer is, of course they did. Of course they heard. Look at the rest of the verse. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Here Paul quotes from Psalm 19 to support his claim, the claim of Romans 10, 18, that they have all heard. To answer his question, have they heard? Yes, they have heard. And here's the proof of that, Psalm 19. Now that they here in verse 18 must refer to all men. Because the answer involves all men. Look in verse 18 again. Yes, verily, their sound went out to all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. So the sound of the gospel went out to all the earth, and the sound of the gospel has gone out to all the world. In fact, the previous context 
suggests also that the they here means all mankind. Go back to verse 11, if you would, please. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they hear? How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. In verse 12 it says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The previous context also tells us that this verse 18 is referring to all mankind. They is everybody. Now Paul uses Psalm 19 to add weight to his argument. Go back with me to Psalm 19 if you would please. Psalm 19. He actually quotes from verse 4 in Psalm 19, but we're going to read the first four verses, and remember that verse 4 is what he quotes. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter the speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. And the li their line has gone out, is speaking about verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Okay? So this, this speaking about the heavenly bodies, the testimony of creation, the testimony of the heavenly bodies declaring the majesty and the glory of God. The psalmist says that God's words, uh, the works of God rather, the heavens and the earth, proclaim the existence of God everywhere. And so the claim of Psalm 19, the claim of Romans 10, 18, is that everyone has heard. There is nobody who doesn't know that there is a God. They're without excuse. And Romans 10, 18 refers to this silent testimony, this silent witness, this effective witness of creation. And this verse, uh, or rather this quote, proves that God has revealed himself to the world through his creation and through his word. Go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, please, and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed, him, showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, been understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Romans starts out with this declaration that everybody has heard. Everybody knows that God exists because creation declares it. Now in Romans 10, 18, the apostle turns to Psalm 19, verse 4, and says to the answer to the question, have they not heard? Yes, they have. Why? Because the whole testimony of the heavenly bodies, the testimony of creation, is that there is a God. But Paul also uses Psalm 19 in a very, uh, as a similarly narrow way, if you like, to allude to the spread of the gospel. Because that's what he's talking about. That's the context here, remember? How shall they hear without a preacher? This is the gospel message. And so he's referring to the gospel, and so he, he kind of narrows his focus a little bit here in verse 18. 
and declares to us that uh, indeed this is speaking about the gospel. Not only has the knowledge of God been declared to all men, but the gospel has gone through all the world through the preachers of the good news. He makes mention of this in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. As if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am a minister. The gospel has been preached to every creature. This makes mankind more accountable for the rejection of God. Man will be judged and how they respond to God's revelation of himself. Have they not heard? Yes, they have heard. Therefore, they're accountable for the rejection of God and the rejection of the gospel. The point of Romans chapter 10 and verse 18 is that if man had believed, he would have been saved. But since man has not believed, they're not saved. If men had believed, it's not because they have not heard. Salvation has always been offered to all men everywhere. He's made that point in verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As the Lord graciously promised through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 13, he said this, Ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, God's absolute and universal assurance to all men and all women, is that no person who sincerely seeks after God will fail to find him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's the point that Paul's making here in Romans chapter 10 verse 18. Have they not heard? Yes, they have heard. The reason why they have not believed is not because they haven't heard, it's because they've rejected what they've been told. The truth is that men and women have not believed because God has not, uh, it's not because God has not made himself known, it's because they refuse to accept the testimony of God. Somebody said the opportunity of hearing was as wide as the star-studded heavens. In John chapter 1 and verse 9, Christ says, it says of Christ that Christ was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh in the world. Christ himself declared in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. The gospel message, the testimony of God through the creation, through the stars, through creation, and the testimony of God's word has gone forth. And the reason why people are not saved is not because... God has not made known his message is because people have not listened to what's been said. And Galileo was summoned before the Roman Catholic Inquisition for teaching that the earth revolved around the sun rather than the sun around the earth. He was charged with heresy. When he offered to demonstrate the truth of his findings by having them look through his telescope, they refused. Their minds were already made up. And they refused to consider the evidence, to any evidence to the contrary. With the same closed-mindedness, most of Israel has refused to even consider that Jesus was the Messiah. 
even consider the claims of Jesus Christ and the claims of the gospel. And in the same way, the world refuses to believe the testimony of creation, believe the testimony of God's word. And consequently, because people have closed minds, they have failed to find God and failed to find Jesus Christ and failed to find salvation. And the problem is not God's fault. It's man's unwillingness to listen. Now, one of the Lord has often said in his word, he that hath an ear, let him hear. God has revealed himself to all men. Now he calls upon all mankind to listen to what he has said so that they might be saved. The second question that's asked in this passage, found in verse 19, where it says, but I say, did not Israel know? Now the question that comes to mind is, know what? What, what is it that Israel should have known? Well, verse 19 goes on to explain. Verse 19 says, For Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. The answer is, to the question, did not Israel know, is that Israel should have known that God was going to include non-Jews in his plan of salvation. Israel should have known that God's plan was that everybody be saved. God chose Israel out of the masses of humanity to be his chosen people, not so they might be exclusive, the only ones with eternal life, the only ones on the way to heaven, the only ones who are saved, but so they then could be a testimony, a light in a dark place shining to a, a lost world so that the Gentiles might get saved. Now Romans chapter 11 is going to explain to us they failed in that responsibility. But God chose out Israel not to be an exclusive group that nobody else could join. He chose them to be a testimony on a witness for salvation. But they rejected the, the Gentiles, they rejected God, they rejected the message of God. And so now Paul asks the question, did they not know, did they not understand that God was going to save Gentiles as well as going to save Jews. See, someone might argue, yes, Israel heard, but she did not understand that God proposed to offer righteousness by faith to all mankind. See, the, her failure to be a witness, in fact, her failure to embrace Christ as the Savior, is, in the mind of the Jew, is, uh, you know, that they understood what God was teaching them in the Old Testament and they're simply following God's law. The Apostle Paul asks here, well, you should have already, did you not know? Didn't you know that this is what God's plan was, to include the Gentiles in the plan of salvation? Didn't you not know that? Did you not know that righteousness by faith was planned for all mankind? Well, they should have known the message of the gospel included the Gentiles as well as the Jews which is his point of verse 19. For Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. They should have known. And in Romans chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, Paul supplies three scriptural quotes that answer the question as to what did Israel know. The first quote comes from Moses here in verse 19. And he says in verse 19 that Israel should have known 
that right back in the days of Moses, that the Gentiles would be included in the gospel. And they should have known it because it was predicted, it was foretold in God's word. Go back to Deuteronomy 32, please. Deuteronomy 32. And verse 21. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I'll move them to jealousy with those which are not the people. I'll provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Way back in Deuteronomy 32, God told them, that he was going to use the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. This was a prophecy that when Israel became a nation, that Israel would one day fall into rebellion. When they fell into rebellion, God would raise up the Gentiles as a people to provoke Israel to jealousy. And the whole purpose of this was that, see, Israel's purpose was to reach the Gentiles but because they exclude the Gentiles and they themselves forgot their God and rejected their Messiah, God was now going to use the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy so that in turn they would turn to God. Because then Israel would see God prospering these other nations, these other peoples. And then that would provoke them to turn back to their God. 1,500 years before Paul wrote the book of Romans, Moses had told the nation of Israel what would happen if they rejected their Messiah. They should have known that one reason why the gospel was sent to the Gentiles was to provoke them to jealousy, which is what he says in verse 19. For Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. By foolish nation I will anger you. Verse 11 of chapter 11, he says the same. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. God's purpose in offering the gospel to the Gentiles was so that the Jews would be shocked into acknowledging their God. And indeed, when the gospel was offered to the Gentiles, the Jews were shocked. And it produced in them jealousy in their hearts. And as a result, many of the Jews did get saved. And this was an act of grace for both the Jews and the Gentiles. Because you see, Christ would preach to the Gentiles so that we could be saved. And he would work in the hearts of the Jews by the Gentiles getting saved so that they would turn back to God. This is God's grace at work. In Romans chapter 10, verses 20 to 21, he goes one step further. And he quotes from Isaiah 65, verses 1 and 2. Where we read in verse 20, it says, And Isaiah is very bold. And saith, I was found of them that sought me. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Isaiah predicted that God would save the Gentiles. Not only did 
Moses predicted this, but Isaiah predicted this. Did they not know? Of course they knew. This is what God had been telling them. If you reject me, if you don't accept who I am and you reject the Messiah, then what I will do is I'll turn to the Gentiles and I'll use them as the means of proclaiming the gospel, them as the means of preaching God's word. And by so doing, Gentiles get saved and that will provoke you to anger, provoke you to jealousy. And Isaiah, he says, was bold in saying this. Salvation had first been offered to the Jews, but now it has been offered to the Gentiles. As you study the New Testament, you discover the Jew first is a ruling principle. You know, Jesus began his ministry with the Jews. In fact, he forbade the disciples to preach the gospel to the Samaritans when he sent them on their first tour of ministry in Matthew chapter 10. After the resurrection, he commanded them to wait in Jerusalem and to start their ministry there in Luke 24. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, And ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the other part of the earth. You're going to start here in Jerusalem. In the first seven chapters of Acts, the ministry is to the Jews only, or to the Gentiles who were Jewish proselytes. But when the nation stoned Stephen... And persecution broke out. God sent the gospel to the Samaritans first in Acts chapter 8. You remember the story? They received the Holy Ghost. And then they get to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, who also were saved and received the Holy Ghost. And even the Jewish believers were shocked when Peter went to the Gentiles. Go to Acts chapter 11, if you would, please. Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11, in verses 1 to 18, we have uh, the, the Jewish the Jewish believers' response to Peter going to the Gentiles. They were shocked by it all. And in verse 1 it says this, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they were of the circumcision contended with him, saying they went in to men uncircumcised to eat with them. And Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expanded it by order under them, saying... He comes back and they've heard word that Peter went to the Gentiles. Of all the people to go to the Gentiles, Peter went to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles got saved and the Jewish believers were shocked. Not just the Jewish people who were unsaved, but the Jewish believers were shocked. And Peter then rehearses the whole story of what happens in the salvation of the Gentiles. And then he explains to them that this was actually the Holy Spirit's doing. The Holy Spirit sent him. Look in verse 12. It says, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simeon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When, I, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. 
This was what God did. He, he stirred the Gentiles to salvation, to provoke the Jews to turn back to him, provoke them to jealousy. You see, he made it clear that to him that the Jews and the Gentiles were both saved the same way by faith in Christ. Isaiah proclaimed that God would save those who had never sought him. Which is what it says in verse 20. I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. The nation of Israel was a nation who sought after God. We've seen this in Romans chapter 10. They were a nation of Israel. was a nation who followed God's law. But they were lost. They were unsaved because they rejected the salvation that God offered them through Jesus Christ. So God said, I'm going to turn to people who never looked for me, never saw for me, which was the Gentiles. And when the gospel went out of the Gentiles, they got gloriously saved. And God provoked the Jews to jealousy. You know, that God was sending the gospel to a people that were dead in sin and had never asked to receive the lights and life of God is truly wonderful. It's an act of grace. The good news of the gospel is a message for all men. It's for you and it's for me. Salvation is not just for the Jews, but it's for all who believe. I mean, isn't that a glorious truth? Whoso shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's for everyone. The Jew didn't understand that. The Jew didn't comprehend that. They didn't understand what it was that God proposed to do through them as a nation, which was to evangelize the world because God is not willing that any should perish. They failed in their responsibility. Now God turns to them, to the Gentiles. The Gentiles now become the, the motivators, the movers of the gospel. God wants all men to be saved. One commentator said, The Lord of the universe, whose heart is open to all people, will not be limited by the failure of his own people to believe as they ought and to act as they should. They will not hinder his purpose of making salvation available to all people in all ages through the preaching of the gospel. Nothing can stop the gospel going forth to all people. God's desire is that all men will be saved. And his will is the gospel was to be preached to the whole world. As I said, what marvelous grace. What marvelous grace. That when Israel rejected their Messiah, God sent the gospel directly to the Gentiles that they might be saved. What a glorious privilege we have of this gospel message that is ours to share, that is ours to proclaim, this message that you and I have been given to take to a lost and dying world, this message of grace. What a privilege we have. In Romans 10, 21, he quotes from Isaiah 65, 2. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 65. <clears throat> Isaiah 65, and let's read verses 1 and 2. So I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me, unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto the rebellious people which walked in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. 
In answer to the question, did not Israel know, the Lord says, all day long I've stretched forth my hands under the disobedient gainsaying people. Over and over again, God reached out to Israel. And over and over again, they rebelled against their God. Have they not, do they not know? Of course they know. Because God has spoken to them through uh, Moses, spoken to them through Isaiah, and he's done it over and over and over again, but they've rebelled against their God. You know, he sent the prophets, and they rejected the message of the prophets. Here is a quote from the prophet, prophet Isaiah. And they rejected the prophecy of Isaiah. Remember Isaiah 53, he asked who hath believed our report. Paul quotes that here and says the report of Isaiah was rejected by the people. That Isaiah 53 about the suffering Savior was rejected by Israel. Over and over again, God had proclaimed his gospel via the prophets. He then sent his son. But they rejected even his testimony and witness. In John chapter 1 and verse 11, says he came of his own, his own received him not. For as many as received him, they began to be power to become the sons of God. And when Paul wrote this epistle, Israel as a nation was still in ignorance, still in unbelief. They'd rejected their Messiah. Whereas by the time Romans has written, thousands of Gentiles have embraced him, embraced Jesus Christ, and have been gloriously saved. Go with me to Acts 28, please. Acts 28. And verse 28. It says, Be it known therefore unto you, that the salvation of God is sent to the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. The gospel went out to the Gentiles, and they heard the message, and were saved. Now because of everything that Paul has said in Romans chapter 10, the readers of Romans, or rather to the readers of Romans, it appeared as though God had cast away his people Israel for good. You come to the end of chapter 10, you think, well, God's rejected Israel because Israel rejected God. God's turned away from Israel. He's turned to the Gentiles. And for the most part, the church today is a Gentile church. Because Israel's rejected them. Israel's an unbelief. In fact, in, from AD 70, when Titus ransacked Jerusalem and scattered the Jews, from AD 70 to 1948, Israel as a nation did not exist. In 1948, they were reconstituted as a nation. And it's seen throughout all of church history that Israel had been rejected by God. And at the end of Romans chapter 10, it appears to the readers of Romans that God has rejected his people for good. So in verse 1 of chapter 11, Paul says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Is there a future for Israel? Or to put it another way, has God's patience with Israel worn out? Is there a future for the nation of Israel? Well, the answer is yes, there is. And in the next chapter, chapter 11, we will be shown that clearly, emphatically, 
by the apostle, which we'll consider next time. You know, as we close this morning, there is a message in these verses for us. And that's this, beloved. The gospel message is a whosoever gospel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, shall be saved. It's a fact. And we should not, in the light of Christ's sacrifice, in the light of the Father's purposes, miscalculate the importance of evangelism. You and I should not forget the need for evangelism. We're told in Matthew 28, verse 9 and 20, that we're to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded thee, and lo, I am with you always. We're to preach the gospel. You and I are to be servants of God, or as servants of God. We're to go forth and we're to preach the gospel. We're to proclaim the good news to lost and unknown world. You know, we can be so thankful for Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God commended his love towards us and while we had sinned as Christ died for us. We can be so thankful for our salvation. But let's not forget Romans 10, 13 to 15. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. Let's not forget that that's our responsibility, to go forth with the gospel and proclaim it to a lost nine world. We have a great responsibility to take the gospel to all men. You know, God's method of salvation, God's method of getting the message of salvation of the world has not changed. The way in which the message went forth in the first century in that early church, as those disciples dispersed out of Jerusalem and went forth and proclaimed the gospel to their friends and their neighbors, and ultimately it spread throughout all the known world, the way the gospel went forth in the first century has not changed, beloved. God still wants each and every one of us to be a witness for him, to go forth with the gospel message. We all have a responsibility to make sure that people get to hear the gospel. Through us, God wants to stretch his arms of love to all people. God wants to use you and I to share the gospel of grace with both Jews and Gentiles. We need to remember, 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Therefore, beloved, let's pray for the salvation of Israel. Let's pray for the salvation of our lost, of lost loved ones. Let's pray for the salvation of our friends, the salvation of our workmates, the salvation of our neighbors. Let's pray for opportunities to share the glorious message of the gospel, to share with the unsaved the good news that Christ died for them. God still wants to save souls. Let's pray that God would lead us to some soul that we might have the privilege of sharing the gospel with that they might be gloriously saved. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this day. I thank you for the challenge from Romans chapter 10. And Lord, we do thank you for the salvation of both Jew and Gentile. We thank you that, Father God, that the gospel is a whosoever gospel. Lord, you want everybody to be saved.
Lord, just stir our hearts that we might each week seek opportunity, pray for opportunity, be able to share the gospel with the lost and dying world. Challenge now through your word, we pray this day in Jesus' name.